On this episode of Mistake by the Take, Jake and Dylan have a special guest on. John Vicari joins the show and gives us his best insight on the Guardians, Browns, Cavs, everything, especially pitching prospects Gavin Williams and Tanner Bybee. They end things off with a little game of this or that specifically targeted for their interview guests. And you can hear it all right here on this episode of Mistake by the Take. Episode 16 of Mistake by the Take. Jake Volnick alongside Dylan Feltovich. Today, uh, going to have a really interesting episode. Have a special guest in uh, John Vacari coming on a little bit later. But got to start out the episode with the most important question of the day, as always. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, coming off a uh, pretty good weekend for myself, as even though Jake was making you know, rude comments about me not being the best player on my team for the golf outing. We ended up winning it. Um, Without uh, any other Hoban alum? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll admit it. There's some people that are pissed off about it, too. I don't care. Yeah, you guys are dirty cheaters. It's fine. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, but it's good because there was a lot of public school. It was all public school kids that were in my group too. So, you know, I, I feel like it was a thing of revenge more of, so, you know, either way, um, coming off of that, I got a little bit of a cold right now. So if I'm like losing my voice or just sniffling, that's definitely me right now. But yeah, no, I mean, overall pretty good. And you know, other thing too is, you know, you, you will be all sassy and stuff like that. We did use a lot of my shots. Which was kind of impressive, considering that I am usually all over the place, but it did help that, you know, two golfers fixing my swing midway through. Either way, though, yeah, it was a good weekend. All right, whatever. You played one good game of golf, all right? Whatever. Ouch. Yeah, we'll take it. Uh, we do have to say, social media, if you haven't been following along, we've been posting uh, a couple parlays. of our parlays. We talked about the one at the end of last episode, and that one, bang, 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 it was a hit. That was like the cringiest way to introduce it. But yes, we did win our first parlay. And if you don't follow us on social media, um, again, we're going to plug it so many times, but uh, mistake by the take on Instagram and then also MBTT pod on Twitter. We do post occasionally some parlays on the weekend as well, too. So if you're looking for some plays there, we are posting some stuff. Unfortunately, our Sunday night baseball parlay did not hit. Um, there was some something, some someone's uh, picks, you know. Okay, uh, listen, you were writing, you were writing the hot wave. Okay, Hunter Brown strikeouts is all over Twitter. Blah blah blah. I went against the grain. I had, which by the way, we're missing. But like, dude, these were these were pretty close. All right, like. I had Gonsolin four plus strikeouts. He finished with three. Okay. And they pulled him after like 60 some pitches and he gave up like four runs and in five innings. I mean, granted, not his best outing, whatever. And the Dodgers lost in a, you know, extra inning game. Like, I get it's still a miss. I eat that on the chin. My picks are wrong. It's fine. But they were close. Like, I barely missed. 
unfortunately, close does not win a parlay. So no, it only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I know, I know. <laughs> that's a good one. So that's a dad saying right there. You know, that I, is absolutely a dad saying. Yeah. So next time, next time you make fun of me for the the dad sayings, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, but that's a good one, right? Like we're okay with like the, gra- the grass ones. Those are good. Oh my like, god! Whatever. Talking about the grass is not rain. a good yeah, one. I mean, I'm not getting back into this. You know what time it is? What time is it? It's time for hot off the press. All right. Was that your hand grenade that went off? Was that what it was? It must have been right. It was close though because we're still going. Close enough. Yeah. Yes. It, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't all that bad. It's we're in still the proximity. Up. Yeah. But all right. It's hot off the press time. I feel like how do we have so many of these already? It's time to crown another champion. We got another champion to go ahead and crown. It's the LSU Tigers. And you know what? I don't crown champions in sports I don't pay attention to, but this one I do. It's college baseball. LSU goes ahead, takes the win. Uh, It took three, the full three-game series, winner-take-all in game three, extra in win by LSU in game one. The biggest blowout that has to be in college baseball history. I don't have that stat on hand, but pretty sure it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anything comes close to twenty runs on that one. Yeah, twenty-four to four for Florida, by the way. And then it comes down. LSU whops them right back, eighteen to four. Craziest thing in this series, by the way. They set a record for the most hits by a single team in a World Series game. In game two, Florida did with the twenty-four runs. LSU did it right back in game three. Yeah, so now the record, thanks to LSU, is now 24 hits, which is crazy. But overall, I mean, this was a really exciting series. Uh, Game one, I tuned into um, after a lot of the baseball, just MLB stuff kind of faded. Tuned into the game, really competitive um, all around. Like, I, I, I guess I've been a fan of LSU this year in the sense of, I've been following them because they have two top prospects uh, that are probably going to get drafted one and two in uh, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, congrats to LSU in this. I, I do love Florida Gators as well, too. I've followed them for all my life with college baseball as well. But um, yeah, overall, it was just good baseball played all around. And you know what's funny about it, too? Let's hear it. I'm pretty sure. Don't. Don't correct me if I like. Well, do correct me if I'm wrong, but don't make fun of me if I'm wrong. No promises. I think both teams finished with the same record now. No, I think they did. I think yep. you're 100 right. 54 and 17. Yeah. If I'm if I'm doing my calculations correct, you're you're somewhere around correct. I saw it last fitting. night. Yeah, yeah. That they were about a game separated and uh, double shout at LSU because uh, they won me money last night at a minus one and a half. And also, actually, triple shout out for uh, the numbers that they put up in the the Jello shot. Oh yeah, sixty-eight thousand. No, sixty-eight thousand. Yeah, sixty-eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-eight. Dude, that's crazy. Which totaled over three hundred grand. Yeah, that was over their time. Yeah, yeah, that was over their time in Omaha. Uh, The record had to have been substantially lower. I think they set it. It was by Old Miss, and it was last year. I want to say it was in twenty thousands. Yeah, and yeah, the sixty-eight thousand. Like they shattered it. I, I think they went the first day, or like one of the first days. Somebody walked in. We're like, how far off are they? And just bought them all. And set them over the record. Like they initially bought like five thousand, and then they were like, "Oh, you actually need another thousand. He was like, "All right, tack it on." Yeah, I, I mean, it was. It, I don't even know how that's like humanly possible, but you know. Yeah, I wish I had that much money, right? Yeah, and just in general, just like I, I don't think my system could even like. Obviously, you know, it's going to be a different ball game here and there because there's multiple different people doing it. But even then, I don't think I could contribute that much. 
No, I mean, you're, you're fair. That's. I wouldn't be doing it. It wouldn't be me. Maybe that many jello shots for myself. Hey. Shout out. That's going to be a fun weekend. But I'd have a couple. Yeah. You know. No, I, I'd be horking them down to the point where I probably spent the rest of my night not where I was supposed to. So that, that's where I would have ended up. But crying in the club, as we no, like to say. I don't cry in the club. I end up face down in the ditch. Moving on to the next topic. Uh, John Collins has been traded from the Atlanta Hawks to the Utah Jazz in exchange for Rudy Gay and two and one, excuse me, future second round pick. I mean, John Collins basically just got traded for a bag of chips. Yeah, um, and it's kind of frustrating because I'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder here, but, like, this is a guy where it's just we need a piece like a John Collins. And the thing is, if he's going for Rudy Gay in a future future second-round pick, yeah, that's, like, a bag of chips. Probably even half-eaten at this point. Bro, was Rudy Gay, like, 45 at this point? Yeah, yeah, like, this dude's been in the league forever. And to see that he's going for nothing, it at least to take away something positive from this I would say that it's a good thing in the sense of maybe the market's a little bit down in this in this way potentially I don't know it it could be just maybe the league is low on John Collins we don't know that right but overall I mean it kind of sucks where it's just like like yeah like that was a guy that you know would be a great fit and it's just not anymore nope uh, I apologize for the stray at Rudy Gay, by the way. He didn't deserve that. He's 36. Yeah, you know. But I knew still, he's still old. He's old. Old. Yeah. Like, the, the chance that the Hawks keep him around, probably pretty low. I, I just, I, I still don't understand how he's in the league. Yeah. I, I, he still low-key produces, dude. He's a, he's a decent guy. But, eh. He's, like, a good, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. He's a good guy. I don't know him, but I'm going to assume he's a good guy. Uh... Big reason, though, for the Hawks is probably to free up some of that cap space. I mean, $25 million a year for John Collins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's about what you're you're looking at a cap move on that yeah. one. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I still think that, like, you know, the Hawks are kind of a team where it's just like you have Trey Young. In, like They're going to be looking to make moves. They got Yeah. Be. I just don't know what kind of direction you're going to move forward in now. Yeah, I don't know who they're getting, but. We'll see. I, like I said, I'm sure they make moves this year. I'm sure they don't say yeah. quietly after doing No, that. I agree. I almost said Trey Lance there for a second. I was just like, Yeah, Whoa. they don't have Trey Lance. They, they don't have that. Your mind is yeah. still in the gutter. We're in the offseason, sir. Uh, Never an offseason. Don't ever say that one. <laughs> We're moving on, though. We're going to the NHL where Connor McDavid has won his third MVP. And I would just be beside myself if I didn't mention what you said before we started. Here it's we not go. even a knock. You're not, you're not a hockey guy. You're not a hockey guy. But you told me you had to look up who Connor McDavid was. I did. You know, I'm not really a hockey fan. Um, I, I do. I mean, we had this talk when I was in Vegas where I am all for any sport developing the rule where you could just basically sucker punch a dude and only be out for a little bit of the game. Um, right. But no, I mean, it, from what I've been doing my research on of in the couple of minutes that I've had, dude's pretty freaking good. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's his third MVP. Yeah. So, considering that, like... You should know who this guy is. You know that, right? No, I, I'm... Like, he's going down with the Sidney Crosbys and Wayne Gretzkys of the world. Like, he is hockey. Who, who's Sidney Crosby? I hope you're no, kidding. I'm kidding. I, so I am kidding. so kidding on that one. But no, I mean... it. it I mean, it, three straight... Three MVPs, like... There's no denying it. I mean, you've seen it where Jokic should have gotten that, but he didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Either uh, way, we should have two three-time MVPs within like a month of each other, but we don't. 
But either way, though, the dude is just a freaking dude. That's... He's a dog. In summary. He's a dog. Yeah. Uh, Next story we have is Jordan Westberg, former Mississippi State baseball player and currently in the Orioles organization, has been called up to the MLB. Played his first game last night, which in retrospect to this podcast would be Monday. Uh, And he went one for four. Got a walk, got an RBI. That's pretty good. You showed your stuff. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, that this team is contending for a playoff spot oh they're not contending like i I know what you mean by saying that but like they are the playoff spot like right like they they have a wild card spot locked in right now they're like 18 games over 500 i just don't want to you never know because it it is never do never do still like not even the middle of the season yet which is crazy to think about with baseball but the only thing is like it's weird to think that a team at this caliber then i will say is calling up guys and getting some production from them because usually like your roster is kind of like set to the point where it's like oh you know we got everything locked up you don't want to bring a prospect up now and deal with that and cause any like just positional drama but I mean overall like it's just that is the Baltimore Orioles though when you truly think about it because they're a team that is young and can they're finally letting their prospects produce hint hint wink wink guardians but either way it's just one of those things where it's just trusting in your farm system is finally paying off for them it is and you see it you know guy and guy again like you said last story of the segment angels go ahead and get eduardo escobar from the mets and they give up two top 20 pitching prospects I mean, this move comes after Rendon, shocker, shocker, is down again with a wrist contusion, so probably not all that long. But Gio Urshela has broken his pelvis. They had to go out and get somebody. I mean, Luis Renjifo was filling in for a little bit, but, you know, they needed an upgrade for a team that wants to contend. I guess my question here that we would pose off of it is, like, two top 20 pitching prospects for Eduardo Escobar? Like, that's too much, right? I I just don't get the direction that the angels are going in because the thing is they're they're a team that you it like they should be really good they should be winning world series when you have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout that's that's all you need it, it, hypothetically but they aren't they they they're so you don't know how many countless times i have seen on twitter everyone post absurd stats of mike trout and Shohei tani in one game and then the final thing is oh and then they lost the game it's so disappointing to see a team to, at this caliber not produce and then they go out and move the like their top pitching prospects you're going to do that then too when and give up a future for a guy that's not really worth that? I just don't get this team. And it's frustrating because you see it with other teams too like the Mets. And it's just like like what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's a big question mark. I mean, like honestly what is going on? And I should clarify, I don't know if I made this clear enough, but there are two pitching prospects that are in the top 20 for the Angels organization. Right, not like either two way, top still. 20 prospects. There's still top prospects in your organization right. that are going to be guys that you would hope to make a impact in the future. And Definitely. Right, and like you're just going to give them up for a guy that's going to be filling in for what should be, again, your one of your star players, and it's not. But either way, I just think that it's it was a move of desperation. Yeah, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm there with you. I, 
you got to do something though, because if you don't make the playoffs and get in and you know do some damage there, you're probably losing Shohei Otani. I mean, you're probably going to lose him no matter what. That's a good opportunity, uh, a good good shout out there, because you're probably right. But that uh, that wraps it up pretty much for hot off the press. So just one thing left to do, and that's uh, call our good friend Lisa. Can you uh, put out the fire for us, would you? Great. I will never get the game back. We're still going to get the game back. I don't think we're going to get the game back. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. Well, it's a good thing I control the podcast in the sense of I put it hot off the press every time we make an outline. But I'm, I'm going to write it in. I'm Ouch, write it all in. right. I'm not saying I control the podcast. That's, Someone's started, power hungry. It started off really bad. It started off really bad. Started, it was really bad. You I, know? I had to switch directions so fast because I was like, I don't control the podcast. You, Yeah, you know, a little offensive it's, there. It, but, listen, know, right. listen, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Uh but we should pretty much jump right into our interview. I uh, think we should, yeah. I'm yeah. excited for this one. Yeah, we had we had John Vicari, great interview, incredible guy. You guys get to all hear it all right here. Dylan, I see you're wearing a, a little sweatshirt with hot takes right on the front. Mm-hmm. You get a couple of those out of John Vicari. Oh, for sure. And he's a lot of good insight. It's a very, very good interview. Yeah, very good, very in-depth. And he's a funny guy. He keeps, he's a funny guy. He's he a funny us, guy. He kept us laughing, so uh, you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be kicking it right to the interview with... Play-by-play broadcaster for the Great Lakes Loons, formerly with the Lake County Captains, John Vicari. We're now joined by Great Lakes Loons broadcaster, former Lake County Captains play-by-play broadcaster, New York native, one of my best friends and favorite human beings, the one and only, John Vicari. John, how are we doing? That's high praise. That's uh, that's high praise. One of one of your favorite human beings. That's uh, that's something to live up to. But I'm gonna try during uh, how long I'm on with you guys. Hey, you know, I, I can't lie to the people. I can't tell them any lies. And obviously, one of my favorite human beings. You were started off as my boss, and then you know became a really good friend. So that's where we are. Yeah. One of, uh, I mean, if, if I'm up there, favorite human beings, you might need to branch out a bit more. But, you know. <laughs> you know, you're, you're probably not wrong, but we're going to live with it where it's at I right mean, now. Maybe he definitely isn't wrong yeah. that one. <laughs> Maybe by the end of the podcast, you'll no longer want to be one of my favorite human beings. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> All right. So, obviously, your relation to this podcast is going to be the fact that you were the play-by-play broadcast for the Lake County Captains. That's your relation to Cleveland sports. And while you were there... You got to call some, I mean, high-praised guys coming into the major leagues this year. We're going to start with a guy who's just made one major league start so far this year. You know, he got roughed up just a little bit, just a little bit. But we're going to start with uh, Gavin Williams. Just overall, your thoughts on his first start. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, obviously had all the hype, has all the intangibles, and I think, and we'll get to this guy a little later on, but um, Tanner Bybee probably set unrealistic expectations for a pitcher in their debut. I mean, I mean, you just look across major league baseball and, and we are just going to keep it. The the guys that I'm going to mention Midwest league 2022 guys. So there's obviously been, you know, debuting starting pitchers across baseball, but just the ones who were in the Midwest league last year, the high a level last year and are now at the major league level this year. Right. Emmett Sheehan, Bobby Miller of the Dodgers, Tanner Bybee, um, Gavin Williams of the Guardians, and Hogan Harris of the Athletics, right? 
all those guys, I mean, besides Bybee, really, um, and Sheehan, because Sheehan came in and, and, and threw six uh, no-hit innings in his debut, but a guy in his major league debut against major league hitting for the first time on a big stage, especially in front of the home crowd, it, it's not going to be locked down necessarily. Like, I, I mean, you know, it, it was a solid outing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't call it uh, one of Williams' best, but um, Bybee just came in against the Rockies and I think set an unrealistic expectation, unfortunately, for Williams. And believe me, he's supposed to be better or he's billed throughout his career better than Bybee coming up through the rankings and he'll get to that point. But to just put too much cachet into one start, uh, you know, I think I think that's a bit much. And I'm sure we're going to get to Bo Naylor as well. You know, guys are supposed to struggle early on. You know, I, I mean, there's there's ebbs and flows. You even take a guy like Ellie De La Cruz, who seems like he can't do anything wrong. There's rough games for them. You know, they're rookies still trying to figure out uh, the major league level. But I'm really, uh, I guess, in the positive thinking. But I just feel that Williams is the guy and, and there's no concern yet. We'll, we'll see. Maybe in August or September, it's a different conversation. But right now, I think there's uh, the, the expectation for Williams should be like it was for Bybee, a guy that's going to come up, stay up, and then be a part of the rotation. Yeah, and we'll circle back to Williams here in a second, but you mentioned the name Ellie De La mm-hmm. Cruz, and anybody yeah. that listens to this podcast knows my love for uh, everything Reds right now and the money that it can bring me. So, obviously, uh, I have to get your thoughts on, I mean, the dude's unstoppable. He's unreal. Like, there's just nothing that can be done to stop a guy that is literally, like, an eight-tool player at this point. We've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I mean, he is the best player that I've seen that I've called in the Midwest League. I mean, there was a game when he was in Lake County where he let off the game, I think, either an infield single or a walk. It doesn't matter, but he got on base. He stole second, stole third, and then the pitcher and catcher tandem were just so rattled that it was either a wild pitch or just a balk that brought him across before the number two hitter even got a chance to drive him in. And you're just like, it's it, it wasn't Dragons one nothing. It was De La Cruz one nothing because his teammate didn't teammates didn't help him. He got on and he got home by himself. And there's few people who could do that. And okay, that was at the high A level. But what already he's done at the major league level is just crazy. Because I mean, there's guys that have come up that have that have hit the ball as hard as him. Um, you know, O'Neill Cruz. Uh, you can go back all the way to Bryce Harper. He was, you know, hitting the ball at, at an age uh, or at a time when we were still trying to figure out what the heck exit velocity meant, or at least I was because I was younger. But um, oh, we're still trying to figure it out here. Yeah. We're still stupid. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there were guys who hit the ball as hard, but there's not a guy who right now and as young as De La Cruz is who has defensive capabilities, the speed, and really, and this is, goes across the board for the Reds, um, this is a team last year that, yeah, they were bad, and everyone knows they were bad, but a component of why they were awful was because they couldn't steal bases, right? They they were the had the worst uh, stolen base success rate in Major League Baseball. This year, they lead Major League Baseball in stolen bases. A majority of that's De La Cruz, or not a majority, but I guess a portion of that is De La Cruz. And it's also this mindset that these that certain teams have had, and the Guardians have it to a good extent too, where the new rules help benefit uh, speed. 
getting first to third, stolen bases. If, if you could predict the pitcher with the pitch clock and, and when they're going to come to the plate and use up their amount of throwovers to first, you take the advantage to the runner. And over the past couple of years before the rule changes, honestly, it was a disadvantage uh, for, for the base runner just because pitchers' uh, pickoff moves have been just more, uh, I, I guess, lethal over time. And there's been more... Uh, I guess, defensive uh, adjustments against base runners. But now I feel like the pendulum has shifted again where runners, and if you have speed, you could utilize it. And that's, you know, what baseball's returned to. You, you take a look at the Reds, Diamondbacks, and Orioles, three teams that are probably doing better than most people thought coming into the season. And a common denominator between those three are the fact that they could run. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you bring that up because – the other way that I kind of look at it too is since I mean I, I'm, I'm a former baseball player myself at the collegiate level, and the thing is like when you look at that and the new pitch clock timing and stuff, I think it's really interesting to see how like I, from my experience it was all about timing. You timed up the pitcher, you kind of were guessing on when he was going to go, and then that's when you went. So I think it's really interesting that you bring up that point because I mean like especially now pitchers have a set time of when they have to throw the ball it's kind of the same thing where it's just like it makes it a lot easier for a guy to time that up and I mean I think that's probably another reason why you're going to start to see a lot more teams steal bags right now and it's definitely more exciting for the game too I I believe yeah and I'll uh I'll kind of yeah no yeah go ahead no no you go I was going to just rally this in, you, you know, talk about the Guardians, that mentality, too. We'll wrap it back to them really quick. This is a team, and of course, this is going to be the last question before we get to back to Gavin Williams, but their steal rate has gone down, I mean, tremendously. I think it was in April, they stole nearly 25, 30 bags, and then everything after, I mean, in the last two months, they've gone under 20 steal attempts each of those two months. I, I just don't see the reasoning for it. I mean, if if it's a mentality of guys are hitting you over and now the offense is starting to wake up, or is this really not as big of a deal as we thought? But then you think about it, I mean, I think it's Estuary Ruiz who's sitting on the A's roster right now. He's got like 40 stolen bases already. Yeah. I, I just no, I don't mean, see I mean, it. It's, it's a com- yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, for the Guardians, too, I, I think there's uh, like – it, it, it's tough to balance because you, you don't want to risk uh, or run the risk of, of, you know, running into an out when you have power in this lineup. And honestly, and it's, it's a bit of a surprise, but the Guardians moves during the offseason, whether they were, you know, uh, uh, satisfactory to the fan base is another discussion, but it was built they in a John. way or I guess a return to, they were, they were, <laughs> uh, it was, they, it was guys brought in to sort of make, you know, uh, bring up the weakness where it's like, all right, they didn't have enough power to power through the Yankees. Let's bring in Josh Bell, you know, but I also in a way, I think they've lost a, a slight bit of their identity in a way where the only reason, not the only reason, but a major reason why they got so far last year was because they sort of shocked the system in a way where they were a team that again, stole bases, went first to third and worked at bats. And, it's great to bring in a guy like Bell, and you need power. You need that balance to be a perfect team. You could just look at through the you know the previous World Series champions, but um, they become a little too stationary, like like you said, where it's just station to station, where that's not their bread and butter. 
one, they don't have the, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but one, they don't have the talent to do that. And two, it's just not how the players on their team are. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I again, I just don't see it. Yeah. I think this is a team that should be uh, running. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I, you might have cut out on us there for a second, but we're back now. We're all good. We're good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a team that should be running. It's a team that isn't right now, but yep. it, it doesn't make sense. You're right. I mean, the moves, you can say satisfactory or not. We've talked about them pretty much endlessly here. I mean, Zanino is a fail. Bell right now. <laughs> more of a failure than not. I, what you can argue with me right now that Zanino was an absolute fail. He's off the no, roster in two I, months. It, it, it's just so fun. Like I, I, you know, I don't mean to poke fun, but I am going to just to get you guys riled up a bit. Um, you know, I, I threw out LSU, Florida for a little bit, and then that game was a blowout. So I'm like, all right, there's a couple of games on. I just need something to relax. I put on Brewers Mets. It was a close game, and Owen Miller's having like this insane season in Milwaukee. And it's just like it never, it never fails. And I, I know he got you guys recently. It, it never fails. Where it's like the Guardians catcher position is just this uh, insolvable Rubik's cube right now. Like, like Zanino at the time, I didn't. I thought he was a bit of an overrating uh, or an overrated signing because people were looking at the home run numbers, and I felt that was. And I think you agree, Jake. Where it was like that was too long ago, and you should have, uh, you know worked off the sample size of last season because that's what the player is right now. But I didn't expect him to be this bad. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that, that's obviously tough. Yeah, those home run numbers were two years ago. I mean, give me a break. And it, you, Our last <laughs> Guardians episode, I, I was breaking down the prospects. I mean, the guys that played for the Guardians last year just rattle off the names on the years they're having. I mean, we can talk. Owen Miller that you mentioned – Nolan Jones is hitting like 370 right now. I mean, that kid's off the walls. But he couldn't play first. He couldn't play first because there was a second baseman at his position in Owen wow. Miller. Couldn't do that. Scrap that idea. And, I mean, you keep going down the line. Will Benson's having a year right now. He's playing four days a week for the Reds. Alex Young, a guy that you know a lot of Cleveland fans probably don't even remember out of the pen. One of the best bullpen arms, again, for the Cincinnati Reds. The list just goes on. It's absolutely ridiculous. It does. I, Dylan, I – no, 100%. I, uh, what was it? Dylan, have you uh, – or how are you on Francona? Because Jake Jake always talks around it, I feel. But I, I think he's uh, he's a little uh, – I, I don't want to say overtired of Francona, but I, I think there's some certain uh, gripes that Jake has with, uh, with good old Terry right now. Because if you remember, and I'm sure you guys do, I mean, he was the main reason that Nolan Jones didn't get that playing time just because – of whatever reason, you know? And at the time, it looked like the right move, but right now, obviously, I think you could use a bat like him. I think my perspective on Terry Francona right now, I th- the game is changing, and he's not. His perspective mm. has stayed the same for the longest time, and it's getting to the point where it's not going to fly. Like, the platoon swaps and all of that, yeah, that was great a while ago, but, like, there was just no organization whatsoever that in in any sense of, yeah, we're going to have him play at a certain time. And it, the numbers get thrown around all the time, too, and they don't even make any sense. Like, they just don't equate to what's actually on the field. 
And I think he's just, he's not using the numbers correctly. He is in an old fashion still, and he's not adapting to the new game. And don't get me wrong, there's definitely aspects to the old ball that I still think that we need, like stealing, bunning, like, yeah, we all need that. But the problem is, like, when this game is like, I mean, it's in Moneyball, adapt or die. And you're going to just keep going with the same mentality each time. I always bring up the word insanity because it always happens in sports where the definition of insanity, repeating the same thing, expecting a different result. And it's just kind of insanity right now with Terry Francona because, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice because we're back on to the, you know, the Guardians are are back in the, the, the swing of things. They're hot. Like, they're going to probably, like, it's just every single year is the same thing. And it's just frustrating to this point where it's just like, yeah, I am getting sick and tired of Terry Francona stuff. At the beginning of the year, I mean, I said that I loved him. And I still do. But it, the problem is, like, if you're not going to keep evolving with the game, I'm going to have a little bit of a gripe with you. I'll pull another Moneyball quote, by the way. I'll go, uh, there's the rich teams, there's the poor teams, there's 50 feet of crap, and then, and then there's, there's us. us. Yeah, That's what it feels like. I, I, let's just go off the rails, John. Let's go off the rails. <laughs> let's let's just throw it away. Gavin Williams will come back at some point. The, the Central is a mess. There's no reason this Guardians mm-hmm. team should even be competing for a playoff spot right now. If they were in any other division, by the way... <laughs> They would be at least six games back from a playoff spot. Like the, but they they're not. shouldn't they're, be they're right. in the central. But they shouldn't <laughs> be. Like this is a team that we're talking about. Oh, they're in the thick of it, right? They're we're, we're right back in it. We could be in the playoffs. You throw the Yankees in our division. You throw literally any AL East team in our division. It's scrapped. I mean, like the Orioles are eighteen games over five hundred. John, we know you're a Yankees fan, unfortunately. Now, I don't think that's being hidden anywhere. You got your affiliations with other teams, but homegrown a Yankees fan. Like, how does it feel that Mm. I'm sitting below 500 thinking my team's got a playoff spot? You're sitting plenty of games above, and you're sitting in, what, third place in the AL East right now? Hey, I mean, you know... (laughs) It's it's the way baseball is constructed, and and I look at it like this too. I mean, um, you, the the other teams in, in not the AL Central, so I guess just fixating on the Yankees in the East, there are less in division games this season, right? So there's six less games for uh, to play in your division. That should benefit, and at the end of the day, help teams that have a strong record are in a strong division, like. The Yankees get to play six more games either against the AL West or the AL Central rather than the AL East, and that should help. That hurts every team in the Central uh, and hurts the Guardians because it's like, okay, well, now the Guardians have to play three more games, um, maybe potentially against the Yankees or the Houston Astros or the Net Texas Rangers now or, or a team that um, they probably wouldn't have played in the old schedule uh, format. But you have less games in division now. So you got to take advantage of your out of division interleague games if if you're those teams. Um, and listen, I mean, maybe you could find that rare example uh, uh, throughout the years. But you win 90 games in baseball, you're going to be in the postseason, and that should be the expectation for the Yankees, regardless of what your division you're in, because of the talent. And you get to that point, and 
you should be a postseason team. So there's there's nothing really to cry about. It's just uh, beating the teams that are in front of you. And again, I, I, I think uh, the AL East teams have an advantage this year that they haven't had where it's just like they don't have to beat up on each other anymore. Um, and, and that's part of the reason, too, the Orioles are still in the mix because they don't have to play as many in-division games. So then my question becomes this. We know that the NBA playoffs are structured in a little bit different sense where they, I mean, divisions are pointless at that, but at this point, there's nothing yes. like that. So I think, would it be something that the MLB should consider then? Do what? To put like the an NBA, NBA playoff? playoff yeah. No, no chance. Hmm. I like it, 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 it's still, you do play enough in your division, like basketball. And, and I can go on and on about this. There's, I mean, there's not even really any signature in division rivalries anymore in the NBA. Um, it's, it, that's just a fact. I mean, I guess the Cavs have a rivalry with the Pistons. No, they I don't. Guess. No, they don't. Like, no. I, no. You know, like I, I don't really. I mean, it, it's it, it's one thing that the Pistons have been really dreadful, so it's it, it hasn't been, um, you know, too close to games or whatever. But right now, I mean, the Cavs' main foe are the New York Knicks, right? Uh, and the New York Knicks uh, don't like the Atlanta Hawks. And those that trifecta, those triangles, they're all in different divisions, right? So, I mean, uh, the NBA is a whole different monster. I, I feel I still think baseball, and you know, put this into perspective too. They expanded with the wild card, uh, another wild card team. So you're getting more postseason teams in. Um, you know, I, I don't think you should go full NBA just because too everyone makes it an NBA. If, if you were to do that in baseball and expand the postseason, which I'm not 100% against, but if you were to expand it even more, I think there's no reason to play 162 because that's something that I think a casual fan, a common fan, um, appreciates about baseball and the 162 where, listen, if it, yeah, the regular season's really long and then the postseason feels like it's blinking, you miss it, but it's still structured like other sports where that month of September in baseball, even though it's not, the quote-unquote playoffs, if you're in a chase, if you're in a, a race for a playoff spot, you're playing playoff baseball in a, in a way. So um, I, 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 don't, I don't think that they should definitely – or I don't think they should follow the NBA's uh, a format with that. Uh, you know, I, I think there's holes you could poke into Major League Baseballs, but uh, you win your division, you're in, and then from there it goes best record, Right. You, you still need a great you still need a great record to win, and regardless of how bad the central is, you're still going to have to at least be a couple games over 500 towards the tail end of this thing. You'd hope, you'd see, but uh, you know, <laughs> obviously, like like anything, I mean, um, there's good there's going to be weak components, there's going to be weak divisions, and the Guardians are fortunate that they're in one of those, and you win it, you're in, and then uh, and then the rest follows. And a final point on this because I'm a bit rambly here, but the final point on this, I mean. You could make an argument last year uh, with the that the Guardians weren't on the Yankees' level, right, uh, in a way. But they won their division, and then they played competitively five games. And um, what was it? And, you know, a, a break here or there, and the Guardians are playing the Astros uh, in the in the championship series. So I, th- I still think the best teams prevail, um, and we've seen – you know, time and time again, that wildcard teams have made it all the way because uh, 
it's just the hottest team at that point in the postseason. So I, I really and I really think too, and, and this is I guess the final point again, but the thing to emphasize, it, it's an exciting uh playoff structure i feel in major league baseball uh the shortened series in the earlier series so it's not like seven games every time which i think does kill the nba in like these first rounds where it's like listen i don't you know two teams that you don't think are gonna make a a deep run or or uh or just aren't putting on an entertaining series that going seven games is ridiculous i think baseball has it right and it starts with a bang too with that you know game seven with the wild card so um maybe and maybe we'll get to a point where we devalue divisions altogether, but I still think the format right now is baseball's best play. Yeah, I don't think I need to see the uh, the Nuggets drop the damn elbow on the Timberwolves four straight games. I'll, I'll be with you there. I think that's a, a little bit excessive, but well, uh, I'll, I'll be Mr. No Fun. I'll be Mr. No Fun and get us back on topic a little bit. You're always Mr. No Fun yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But I'll uh, I'll rally us back. I'm going to hit a, kind of a final point. We'll wrap back into Gavin Williams. I decided to get back to him, I know. No fun. But he, I don't know how much you're reading uh, Guardians news on The Athletic recently, okay? But Zach Meisel just came out with a, a story, I believe it was within the last two or three days, talking about Gavin Williams developing a slider. They said he was kind of working on it in Lake County, but really he's come more comfortable with it the more he's moved on, especially this year. I mean, at least from what you can watch and what you've seen, what's this kid's best pitch? I well, I I mean, in what I saw from him, it was the ninety-nine mile an hour fastball no one could touch. Um, but you, you need that mix. I, I'm honestly, and I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to think of the pitch mix for Williams. I think it was what fastball, slider, changeup, curve, four pitch mix. Yeah, correct. Um, with that slider used the least amount of time. I mean, his fastball is a signature pitch. The fact that he could locate it on the corners, uh, 99 consistently deep in the ball games too. And it looks effortless, um, which is just, I mean, I don't know if that, that means anything, but just watching him pitch, it just doesn't seem like he's throwing that hard. And then it just gets in on you at 99 and you're just like, wow. Okay. Um, but I mean, he definitely has to develop those secondary pitches because once major league hitting, um, adapts to how his fastball bites and stuff like that they'll have success but you know especially in his first couple starts i think the guardians know and they're a pitching factory for a reason you keep it simple with williams what has worked at double a what has worked at triple a uh structure your game plan around that in your first couple major league uh appearances and you know you get the royals tonight right who, he, who, who he's facing you got the athletics to open up um so you know, not going to call that triple A hitting by any means, but it's not the cream of the crop in the American League. So well, you're not going to it's triple will. A. Yeah, it's it, AAA it, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, but you know, uh, just just deal how you've been dealing. And, and again, I, I think, and, and it's it's tough to say because obviously guys around Major League Baseball don't live up to expectations every season. But he has too many too much hype behind him and too much good that we've seen uh, for him to just uh, flounder and then that to be that. Uh, even if he struggles through these first couple of outings, but he's he's a really talented pitcher and he's got the look, he's got the uh, the prototype of what the modern day pitcher is. He's lanky, he's tall, strong, and uh, I think he's going to have success this year. All right, really quick answer on this one: He gets compared to Garrett Cole. You like it or you don't? Well, I mean, uh, Garrett Cole's a good pitcher. 
I, I yeah, mean, I'd uh, say so. You know, <laughs> like uh, you'd say top five in Major League Baseball right now. I, I think they're they're uh, obviously um, uh, what was that? I guess their body types are similar. Yeah, I, I think there's worse piece, people to be compared to. Um, so I'm fine with that. It, it, you know, you're, you're going to have to give it time. Like, I mean, it, what's fun about being a Guardians fan, in my opinion, is you do have four pitchers right now. Bieber, McKenzie, Bybee, and Williams, who maybe not right now for all of them. Bieber obviously is, and McKenzie when healthy is. But all of them could be aces for a Major League Baseball team. You know, and what you know what happens in the next year or two with Bieber's contract, and, and and what happens? Okay, that that's a side note, but you do have if you could tap into that potential, just four top arms on this team right now, and you know, don't forget about Quantrill either. Uh, I mean, he's he's not the, the same as those guys, but he can get outs if need be, and if he's your number five option, I think you're in the you're in the plus if you're a Guardians fan. Again, Williams isn't going to be Cole come October. Uh, this year, that'd be tough expectations to put, but he's not going to be too far away in the near future. And, uh, you know, he, he's a franchise cornerstone. Uh, again, can't put the direct comparison on on anyone yet just because let's see how he does against major league hitters. But he was drafted where he was drafted. He was given the signing bonus that he was given and he was and he's been moved along because of success because he's a really darn good pitcher. I just want to make out a point really quick. Um, you said that there is fun aspects to being a Guardians fan. I don't think there's any really fun aspects to a uh, being a Guardians fan. So uh, I just wanted to throw that in there really quick. I, I can second that. There's definitely not. <laughs> oh my goodness, boys, boys! You're three games under. You're not. Imagine you were the New York Mets right now. They they gave they they have the highest payroll in baseball history. And they need to win. They need to go twenty games over five hundred the rest of the way, and hope the Braves play mediocre just to sniff a playoff spot. Oh yeah, don't worry. You guys have the destiny in your hands. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. You're shit. You're just not cow shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I mean. I mean. But that's what I'm. That's what I'm here to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much the comparison you're making. Uh, you do. You do. Uh, kind of talk about the arms, though, right? You talk about the, yeah. the plethora of arms that we have right here. I kind of want to bring this up, and I feel like nobody's talking about it right now. There's still six arms now. I mean, McKenzie's hurt. Bieber's still in the mix. You now call up Gavin Williams. Cal Quantrill's coming back. Like, he's with the team right now for this road trip heading into Kansas City. They already said they're not going to a six-man rotation. So, you throw out the names. I mean, you're talking Logan T. Allen, Tanner Bybee, Gavin Williams, Aaron Savali, Cal Quantrill, and Shane Bieber, wow, that was a list that almost got away from me. Uh, who's the odd guy outright? Like, somebody has to not pitch coming up in the near future. Like, are you really sending down Gavin Williams this fast? I, I mean, they have to obviously make a decision. I mean, Logan T. Allen's been a guy that's that's been in minor league baseball, it feels like, a long time. And, and, and he's proven his keep. But I think Williams has a higher upside if that if that makes any sense but right now you gotta if you're if you're the guardians uh make the decisions that are going to help you in a win now scenario because you know whether or not you're happy with how this season has gone so far where the team's positions and where the al central lies you're not in a rebuilding mode you're not in oh 2025 or 2024 is our year it's 
no, we could win now. You know, we, we could get back to the postseason now. Um, again, I, like it would be weird to to send down Williams after getting the call up, but you know that, that's how baseball works. And and if he's better served getting longer outings at AAA and then maybe getting called up again because who knows with the injuries, I don't think it's going to affect his mental. Uh, where or, oh he gets sent down after maybe he doesn't pitch well tonight in Kansas City, he gets sent down and like that ruins him for the year. I, I don't think he's a guy like that. And 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 it's just speculation from me too. I'm just uh, I'm just guessing here, but. Um, you go with your five best arms. And and if you believe that's, as you mentioned, with Williams as the odd man out, then that's what you go with. But uh, obviously what's fun, and I'm going to say it, what's fun is that his upside is, uh, you know, ace of the staff. Yeah, and you're not wrong about that one. I mean, this dude is projected. He was, he was drafted in the first round for a reason there. No doubt about it. And kind of rounding out the pitching staff to a guy that you're familiar with and that we talked about, um, touched on a few here, uh, Tanner Bybee. Did you kind of expect what we've been seeing from him this year? Or like, what what were your thoughts about it? Because, I mean, the dude exploded onto the scene. Yeah, no, no one had. And you could ask any of the Guardian prospect beat writers uh, or anyone who follows it really closely you could even ask, and you know, it'd be a tough interview to swing, I guess. But you could even ask the higher ups uh, with the Guardians and the guys who drafted Bybee. There is no way that they thought he was going to come along as quickly as he did. I mean, he was drafted obviously from um, you know, but uh, behind a lot of guys in what was a 19 pitcher draft in 2021, and he wasn't a top 30 ranked guy, and. He came out of college throwing a fastball in the low 90s, but the Guardians felt that they could really up the velocity with him. And for some reason, just like a sponge and whatever he did during the offseason, he just came into Lake County his first year or his first full season in minor league baseball, and he shoved. And he was outperforming Williams. He was outperforming guys who were still down there who were drafted around the same spot, a couple of guys getting more money and a couple of guys being drafted in earlier rounds who are still trying to figure out their secondary pitch or consistent uh, fastball velocity or consistent commands with their fastball at high A. Bybee has just, you know, been expedited through the ranks. And coming into this year, it was so surprising when I, you know, talked with Guardians beat writers that all of them had Bybee ahead of Williams coming into this year. And, it's just the the 180 that he did. And and it all comes to, you know, just the fact that he had a ceiling to that uh, he couldn't, I guess, touch in college. And the Guardians coaches, uh, the Cleveland baseball coaching staff and, and, and whoever worked with him, and it was Caleb Longshore in Lake County, but I'm sure it was other guys throughout his minor league process, but they found what works. And he is just, you know, just been great. And regardless of, you know, how his fastball was fixed and, 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 and this and that, he's always been, whether he was throwing, you know, a fastball that was barely hitting the 90s or hitting a fastball that's, you know, now flirting with triple digits, he's always been a calm and collective guy on the mound. There was never really anything that phased him. And, and I only saw him for half a season, obviously. Um, but he just, even if he got in situations, jams, uh, a, a walk to start that bat, he, unlike some pitchers that were his peers around the time, he wouldn't unravel. 
he had just this demeanor that you can't really teach, to be honest with you. And, and he just has where he's not too overwhelmed by the moment. And it was fun watching him in his debut because you just saw like a guy that didn't look phased by a big moment. And it's his Major League Baseball debut. Uh, again, it's against the Rockies, not uh, obviously a, a great team, but a team with a couple of guys that, that can make you pay if you leave something over the heart of the middle. And he just, you know rolled through like it was like it was a, a double a game and it, it, it's just great to see it and he's just a great dude too and um someone who even though he's been overlooked up until this season uh never let that get to him i mean i asked him point blank after uh, a june start like last year where he went like seven innings or something i said like do you feel like overlooked because all these other, you know, people are now starting to talk about you, but no one did coming into the year. And he's like, yeah, that's, you know, okay. Like, sure. Like if you want me to answer yes to that, okay. But like, he just does what he does. He's not worried about any of the outside noise and, and that's helped him a lot in his career too. Um, but it's, it's definitely a mix of how great the guardians uh, coaching is and just identifying too in college that, all right, we're not going to give a first round pick to this guy. Cause this stuff's not like that yet. But we're going to give him where they drafted him, which I'm blanking on right now, and I apologize. But where they drafted him, it's worth it's worth that, and we think he could be a top of the you know a top guy. But I don't think they thought it was going to be this quick. I mean, Williams definitely was was going to be uh, you know higher, and then it's great to see him in Double A now. But I think more people had expectations for Tommy Mace, you know, being a guardian before Tanner Bybee straight out of college during that draft class, he was sort of that second guy. And, 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 you know, Mace has found his way. He threw eight innings against uh, the loons at the, in the Midwest league level. So he's going to get there eventually too, uh, or maybe be a trade piece who knows, but um, yeah, the Bybee, the Bybee rise. I don't think anyone but himself thought was going to happen as quickly as it did. Yeah. Bybee, by the way, a fifth round pick. He was 156th over fifth round. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but high and Mace, Mace was a competitive balance pick, and there was a couple guys, third or fourth round picks that you know were drafted ahead of him that obviously aren't at the major league level yet. Yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. It's, he's <laughs> rocketed his way through this entire organization, and in a way that nobody thought he was going to. But you had high praise for both him and Williams, and you know it, right now can't really see who you think uh, more highly of, but we'll get to that later on. But not quite right now. Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Yeah. I think we want to kind of switch into the offensive side of the ball now because there's one name that has been the rave of all Cleveland Guardian fans right now, and that's Bo Naylor. And I think it has stemmed from a couple of things, obviously. Uh, I mean, we've said it before, Mike Zanino not being the greatest of catchers for us. Yeah, being absolute trash. And then also Cam Gallagher as well, having his struggles. So... I mean, there's going to be multiple different questions with this one. So the first thing is, like, first thing first, were you 
like, what were your thoughts with Bo Naylor being the starting catcher? Because all I saw on Twitter was Bo Naylor's face for like a good three, four weeks. And fans wanted him to be up with the team already. You know, Zanino not providing. So were you kind of in the same boat of like Bo Naylor should be the starting catcher for the Cleveland Guardians? Well, I I think it helped that he um, went to play with Team Canada, right? The World Baseball Classic. And I I don't think was, uh, I guess, I don't know, overwhelmed by the spring training situation because I, I think him playing at a competitive level because he knew day one, he wasn't going to be the, you know, opening day starter and to have that catching challenge, I think would have been, you know, not what he needed. Like go, go play for your country, go play against major league at bats and then come back to us and just be under the guise that the, you know, we signed Zanino for a reason. We brought in Cam Gallagher for a reason. And, if things open up, you're the next guy up. But um, if you're Naylor, I, I think you have to feel like confident. Obviously, it's been a struggle through his first, what, 20 at-bats or whatever. He's got three hits. Um, but the Guardians as a team in the last two years, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some names, but last year's opening day catcher was, what, Brian Lavastada, right? I mean... Uh, it so was Austin the, Hedges. Lavastada came yeah. up and played hey, at some point, but... okay. So, I mean, so you have those two guys, uh, didn't work out. Miller's gone, obviously. Okay. Um, just throwing that in there. <laughs> Thanks. And you yeah, have, I always love to toss uh, yeah. And then, and then um, you know, again, coming into this year, all right, Zanino, these big expectations, and Gallagher's a good defensive catcher or whatever, and, and he's, you know, the pitchers like him. But these guys can't hit. So whether you wait and they, you know, oh, well, let's wait for Naylor to come up after the All-Star break, um, or, or whatever the thought process was, they had to finally pull the trigger on it because the guy's stealing bases, the guy's throwing out runners, and he's been really fun to watch at, at the minor league level. Um, and, you know, obviously people are going to like or, or, or fans are going to be, I would say, like attracted to the idea of Bo Naylor just because it's been a position that's been so below average. And what is, by the way, the most average position in Major League Baseball? This may be a hot take or you know, uh, attacking of, of, of certain guys and stuff, but the catcher position at major, at the major league baseball level right now is probably the weakest it's been in my entire life. I mean, you know, for, for years it was okay. Yadier Molina, Salvador Perez, Joe Maurer, like there was cornerstone guys who were top 10 players in baseball at that position. And this year, um, you know, there's really not that, that marquee guy and they still get paid pretty well. And there's guys that like are getting paid, a lot of money that you're like, wow, if, if they were at another position, they'd be making probably not even top 30 money um, just based on the numbers. But there's just such a catcher, uh, I guess, deficiency across Major League Baseball right now. But to circle back to Naylor, he's going to go through rough patches as well. I mean, he's a young guy, but the but the potential's there. Fans love him too because, okay, they know what his brother has. They know the, the, the spark plug that he can become. The, they know him, you know, as a great clubhouse guy, a guy that's going to pump, you know, some people up, a guy who's going to get under New York Yankees player skins, uh, someone who who just, I think, really uh, shattered expectations last year. And even playing hurt through the postseason was still one of the better uh, at-bats towards the tail end of games, unfortunately. But with Naylor, and Jake's going to love that I make this comparison, I'll but it. it's a guy like Anthony Volpe, who, oh. uh, you know, 
again, you want more of the fan base has been craving for 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 a guy like this, but they're going to go through some struggles. There's going to be bright sp- spots, but it's tough to put, um, you know, these worldly expectations on rookies. And I get the argument too that all right, if they're at the major league level, they got to compete as a major league baseball player. But that's not always the case. There's there's going to be guys who go through rough patches, have to figure things out. And that's what Volpe's doing right now with New York. And it's a small sample size, but Naylor has the talent where he's going to come through. And again, even if he doesn't set the world on fire this year, if he's batting above the Mendoza line, then he's better than your other options. So, ah, uh-huh. don't tell me we're still on Volpe. You still like this kid? <laughs> Dude, he's got 10 home runs, bro. 10 home runs in a little league ballpark. <laughs> Oh you guys on the right gosh. side, not the left side. It doesn't matter. It's a T-ball field. Oh. If you don't hit a dead center, oh it doesn't goodness. even count. Wow. Unbelievable. Anyway. And he's just saying he's 22 years old, Volpe. He's my age. <laughs> of course, that's what happens when you get Jake on a tangent. But anyways, I'll I'll be the one that gets us back on track. Yeah, look who's Mr. Yeah. No Fun now. Yeah, I know, right? I know. But... I'll say this to kind of wrap it up since you already kind of touched on it. Yeah, he, he's not doing the best right now through 28 Bs. Like you said, three hits, only three runs, no RBIs, which would give you a grand total of an average of a .150. Like, it, not good. But my question <clears throat> then becomes... Better than uh, Cam Gallagher was at some point yes, this year. Yes, granted, it, it, but it, that's not saying that much, to be not honest at with all. you. So my thing is this. You kind of said already that you'll be fine and for everything. Do you think for this year, since somehow, like, again, we still don't believe it, but, like, we're making a playoff run, do you think he will be good enough and maybe turn it around to be able to help us make that playoff run? I mean, again, it's sort of the option you have. I mean... It depends, really, and this is how I think the Guardians should look at the catching position. Whoever they think is going to catch the best game and give their starting pitchers the best advantage come postseason play is um, is the option they should go with. I, I mean, it, it, it's a little, I guess, uh, you know, exaggerated, but last year during the postseason, you could have just put someone up there as your catcher to look at nine straight pitches, strike out three times. And and that was basically what the catcher's output was in the postseason, Right. And for a majority of this year, that's what it's been in the regular season. So if Naylor uh, is your better defensive option and then, and the pitchers prefer him, I think that's who you go with. Um, uh, he, he could be he used as a guy too, maybe off the bench. Like you do start Zanino, depending on how the season goes and who outperforms, but you start Zanino and then Naylor comes as a guy off the bench. But he definitely 100% should be on this postseason team because he's one of the, you know, better or one of the best, whatever the limit is for position players. One of the only ones carried on have. a postseason team. Yeah. I mean, so you, you got to play him. And and again, I'd like to see the sample size that uh, Zanino has with Naylor because, I mean, Zanino has what, 22 hits and we're in June? Nah, I mean, I it's a joke. That. Like, so. Like if I think you give Naylor that same sample size, and again, just being barely average, even like slightly below average, is what the Guardians need from the catcher position. Uh, and if Naylor's that better option, you go with it. But regardless, I think uh, I guess to answer your question, 
Naylor should be one of, if you're going to carry two catchers, one of the two catchers uh, on that postseason roster. You have to find a spot from him for him in the postseason. And, and this is a little bit of culture building from me. You want to have pillars of your future as bench players in postseason games. You're always going to need that veteran, and maybe the Guardians make a, a move at the deadline, or they sign some free agent, um, you know, veteran who might be able to add to uh, the, the the roster. But you want pieces of your franchise, pieces of your future, and I think that was a reason that Naylor was on the postseason roster last year, and a guy like Will Brennan was, um, because not only do we think in a pinch that you can contribute for us now, you can contribute for us uh, if we need to call your number, but also like this is a postseason atmosphere. This is what it's about. And to not be thrusted into it, uh, you know, where the expectations are the highest and, and, and you're just coming in, um, you know, with your first experience being starting behind the plate, they let Naylor watch, watch games, watch other players prepare for it and, and watch, you know, really how it is to play in front of a progressive field crowd. Uh, that's, you know, thirsting for a championship and, and, and the expectations with that. But to, to wrap up my thought, I mean, Naylor's got to be a part of the postseason roster. You have to get there first, but, um, you know, he should be up and it's only, and not only, but it's, it's the major reason is because the catcher position is so piss poor that he's got to be up there because he's the, really the only option you have in the minor leagues that's uh, worthy of anything. And he, uh, he should be up. Hey, I mean, worst case scenario, though, I did make some money on the fact that he did get his first hit on the day that I put Bo Naylor to get a hit. And unfortunately, Jake was a little upset since that was the day that he decided to add one more strikeout to the parlay when I said probably not the best idea. And he did not hit that parlay. Devin Williams, 84th pitch was an inch outside the zone. It should have been his fifth K, but it's okay. Sorry. Wow, I got I, I I you know stumbled upon your social media pages before the uh, before the podcast here. I got to follow. I got to look at these parlays. I I can't bet baseball due to my uh, my my job, but uh, you know def- definitely worth following. You guys do a good job with the graphics too. It's very uh, you know. I mean, we don't need to see Jake's face, but I'm, I'm okay with Dylan's face. <laughs> wow! Big shout out to Dylan. He's our graphic guy, so that's none Appreciate of me. That, they're, yeah, yeah they're, they're well made. They're well made. Thank you. All right. John, we know we love talking Guardians with you. That's obviously, you know, baseball is oh, yeah. the best thing to talk with you. But uh, you spent some time in Cleveland. You, you did a little more than just work for the organization of the Guardians. You know, spent some time, 92.3, the fan, everybody uh, around this area knows what I'm talking about there. And uh, you got to know the other sports as well. So yeah. We're, yeah. we're going to jump over to the Cavs just really quick. And then we'll uh, we'll probably touch on the Browns and then get into our, our final thoughts here. The Cavs, I just need to know your thought on this one thing, and it was spread around Twitter, and it was absolutely insane. The Tobias Harris trade, I mean, come on. The the, the Sixers want to give us Tobias Harris for Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, and a first-round pick. There's no way. Like, that has to be a genuine joke coming out of the 76ers. Well, the, uh, the, the Sixers would love... Uh... Uh, some uh, guys that I don't know could actually perform in the postseason, and I don't know why they'd want Jared Allen because he can't do that. Ouch. But uh, oh, sorry. I mean, he's wrong though. <laughs> no, he's not wrong. I, but. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I, th- I think the backbreaker in that pick, and I'm not too high on like, oh, first round pick and, and whatever, unless it's like a can't miss like this year where it's like, all right, it could be, you know, uh, Victor Webayana there. Uh, I'm okay giving the pick. I'm okay giving Allen. I think Mobley is just a piece that you don't want to give. I mean, certain people in the Cleveland area maybe are, are give too much expectations for Mobley. Like I've heard conversations, whether it be from conversations from hosts on the fan or, or callers that like he could be a Giannis light. I don't see that, but I do see a guy who uh, has a really big upside. I mean, he's still so young too. And I know the NBA is a little different with ages than other sports because these guys do get, you know, brought into the league at like 18 years old, the 19 years old um, and, and stuff like that. But Mobley's so young. You don't want to give up on that. Um, if you take him out of that trade, I listen. I mean, Jared Allen was a, a nothing burger in the postseason, and, and and he seems like a great guy, and he's great in the media, and and he uh, has did a great job during the regular season, honestly. Like, but I mean, to get out rebounded the way he did against uh, the Knicks was like, and he just wasn't ready for the postseason. It was just shocking, and it's not like you know you could chalk up the postseason inexperience with certain members of the Cavaliers. But Allen did play in the postseason in Brooklyn. Like he was there. He should be and 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 not to go to, you know, New York fanboy on you, but Madison Square Garden is one of the toughest places to play in a postseason game. But if anyone on that Cavaliers team has the amount of experience playing in, in Madison Square Garden, it's Jared Allen, right? I mean, he was a net for so long. Uh, you would think he would, I don't know, uh not be, be the lone guy that didn't think it was too big, you know, that the moment was too big for him. But then after the game or after they get eliminated, he says, no, the moment was too big. Um, Awful quote, so, by the way. Why, why would you yeah, say that? But, but that's what he, I mean, that's what he said. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's what he felt, whether that's an excuse or not. But that's literally what he said, which, I mean, I would have respected more like, listen, no, Randall and Mo- Robinson, obviously, no, they've been hitting the gym more than I have, or they just wanted it more or something like that, or, or they're, you know, the breaks went their way. The moment was too big. I, come on, man! It's 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 the it's the first rounds, you know. Like uh, it's, <laughs> the moment doesn't get much smaller talking postseason. Yeah, than that. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So that, that that was just that was just shocking to hear. But no, I I, mean, I have a soft spot for Tobias Harris, Long Island, New York guy, St. Mary's. So he actually uh, this is where I went to high school. It's in the same division, same conference. Um, but he's not worthy of what that uh, the Cavs would have to get to get him. So. And, and honestly, you add him now with like, I, I know that's like a little tough to say, but you add him now just for nothing. Yeah. Are they really over the hump? Like, uh, honestly, like, I, are, they better I think than Milwaukee? He's, are they better than Philadelphia with Tobias Harris at the three? I don't know. I think he's easily probably the most overpaid player in basketball right now on the last year of his contract, yeah. which, by the way, makes that trade that much more crazy. He's literally yeah. has one year to play. If you, if you talk Jared Allen and maybe a pick, I mean, that pick still, you know, tossed in with Jared Allen, I might make the trade. I, I'm not giving up Evan Mobley for Tobias Harris straight up. I don't care if Tobias Harris is on a max contract. Yeah. It's just not happening. I, I see so much more value in Mobley. That just, I, I don't know. That It blew my mind when I led that. Like, I, I genuinely laughed out loud. Yeah, now, who, who said that? Was that just, like, something on the sports uh, talk? Airwaves or uh-huh. was that no, just that, like that was a, a real report that came out. It came out, yeah. you know. Obviously, we have to take everything with a grain of salt, whether or not it actually happens. But there, I can't. I don't know who put out the initial tweet, but there yeah. was a reporter that 
supposedly that was an actual trade that the Sixers offered the Cavs when the Cavs said they were interested in Harris. I don't agree with like the that I don't know. I I feel like Jared Allen, yes, obviously doesn't perform in like the playoff. He didn't he didn't do anything. You you said it right on the noggin right there. Like it's it was just straight up. That's how it was. But the thing is, like, what is your like what are your bigs then at that point? You're gonna roll out there with Evan Mobley and who else? I would have liked it to be John Collins, I'll tell you that much. I know you, yeah, I, I get that. We've we've heard For you. Rudy Gay in a second rounder. Right. But the thing is, like, I'm in the boat of just, like, you can't really give up those two right now because, like, what else are you going to do with it? It's zero depth. Yeah. I just, I, I think that it was just, that's another thing where it's just, like, this offseason, like, you need to develop depth with this team. Like, in, in the in the at least in the portion of the bigs. Because you have nothing. Yeah, I mean, you're, all your depth is right now at the three. So, but either way, um, I think I think that's going to be an interesting one that pans out with uh, the off season on that perspective. But I want to switch it over to probably the staple of Cleveland sports and just it, the misery, the depression it always brings us. The Cleveland Browns. Here's the thing that. I kind of want to go into. I'm probably, even though I did play baseball for 18 years of my life, I am a, I'm really getting into football. Um, The thing is with this year with the Browns, yeah, there's always hype with this team. Every year, like all these, we have wild expectations and stuff like that, but it's only just with Cleveland people that see the hype. But now when you look at the media, there's rumbles that like other people are saying just national news that are like the Browns may be legit this year. So I want to get since you kind of have an outside perspective on it and you've also been in the inside of it as well with Cleveland media. What do you expect from the Browns this year? And are you buying this hype with them? I I can't buy into it until I see uh Deshaun Watson be the Pro Bowl caliber player that he was in Houston. I mean, there wasn't one game last year, and granted, it was it was a small sample size, um, but he never looked like a capable NFL quarterback, to be honest with you. Um, and, and so much so, I think the scales were tipped at the end where it was like, no, he played good. It's like he, he barely threw for 200 yards, you know? I, I mean, the, the one bright side was that he wasn't afraid to run. Um, which, you know, I, I think getting back to like full speed NFL, I thought he was going to be a little more constrained to the pocket because, uh, you know, just the speed of the game would have been a bit of a uh, something he had to adapt to. And it was, but he wasn't afraid to run to get first downs and stuff like that. But uh, it, it, it all lives and dies with him. You know, I don't care who they get on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, you bring in a former Super Bowl champion and and you get rid of some of the loud mouths in the defensive locker room. Um it's all it's all on him and and maybe it's simple analysis but i i mean he has he's got to make the players around him him better like that's what you pay a quarterback that of that money to do um you know oh mari cooper is the number one receiver uh that that's always a discussion deshaun watson has to make him a top 10 receiver and and I, i know there's only so much a quarterback could do um but 
whether it's, you know, throwing him open in certain in certain respects, buying more time in the pocket so you buy more time for your receiver to get open down the field. Uh, he, he has to make the players around him better. And last year in the small sample size, it was the players around him that were just trying to make him NFL average, you know? And and we'll see. I, I mean, there's always that, uh, that that unknown with him just because he was away for, for so long due to the suspension and whether he'll return to that form. But um, I, I think the receiver room and the running back room, to I guess a lesser extent, but uh, the receiving room is, is close with Watson. Uh, and they're... Uh, I think they have the right coach in, in, in right now as well. I, I mean, the amount of times that obviously Stefanski's job was called for last year, probably, you know, not even worth counting uh, just based on like, all right, early season, blown leads, the one against the Jets, and then just way the fin- they finished the season losing to the Saints uh, in a game that literally is tailor-made for a Cleveland team to win and a Dome team to lose. But he... Uh, we we still haven't seen Kevin Stefanski with, and you know again this is sort of to bail him out in a way, but we haven't seen Kevin Stefanski with an all world quarterback and enough targets. I mean, you saw a team with great, great targets, but a mediocre quarterback in Baker Mayfield, and then you saw you know um, Deshaun Watson last year, and he obviously wasn't the Deshaun Watson of old, and Jacoby Brissett, you know. Uh, Played better than I thought, honestly, going into last year. But he wasn't a guy that made uh, uh, the receivers around him better by any means. Uh, and, and and that's what Deshaun Watson has to be for, for the Cleveland Browns. And, and, it, and it stops right there. I mean, if he, if he comes in and he's just not the same old Deshaun Watson, it's going to be a long, long season. Um, with all that said, uh, uh, fringe playoff team is my expectations for them. Um I, I, maybe you guys think they're a twelve and five team, a thirteen and four team, based in the division they're in, and based in the conference they're in as well. Fringe playoffs, you know, and, and that's what hurts them. I mean, I, I think I think it's so funny, but if they were in the NFC, we were talking about divisions earlier. If you put the Cleveland Browns in the NFC South, or uh, you know, honestly at the, this point the NFC North, like ra- around here in the Michigan area, people expect the Detroit Lions to win twelve to thirteen games. And that sort of shocks you when you first hear it because, you know, uh, yeah, okay, a Detroit sports team actually winning is sort of laughable. But mm. then you look at what the division is and you're like, you know what? What the Lions did last year, they should win the North this year. Like that should be the expectation. It should be them and the Vikings um, going for it. But, you know, like uh, as much as we love to, to praise Deshaun Watson too, Right now, do you guys consider him a top five quarterback in this conference? Mm. I don't. And, and that's where he, he's got to be maybe not Mahomes Allen level, because I still think those two guys are, are, are uh, you know, better than him at his best. But he's got to be Burrow level. Yeah, I, I, I think he has to be. I don't think he's a top five quarterback right now. I think he could be. I think he plays at his yeah, ceiling. And I don't mean is. NFL. I just mean in the AFC. Right. You could, t- and, you know, because you could. You could take away Jalen Hurts. I'll give you that because NFC. And then honestly, I mean, uh, the AFC has the top quarterbacks, as you guys know, yeah. um, where, you know, Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones are in playoff games. I love my Giants. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. so, but but that's the thing where you're paying him to be the best. And obviously, I guess Mahomes is in a different level than a lot, than everyone, but, but he's got to be and he's got to play that way. 
and uh, we'll we'll see if he can. But but that's where it stops with the it's it's just all relying on Watson. Yeah, that's it. And I I completely agree with you in that sense of like it's going to be pretty much on Deshaun Watson. And I think it's probably going to be the make or break for not just Deshaun Watson, but also for Andrew Barry and different types of management there. But last year, Deshaun Watson numbers um, just finished over a thousand yards. He was hitting at a completion percentage of a 58%. Um, Yeah. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions had over, I mean, a decent amount of rushing yards, 175 yards, uh, one touchdown there, but it, it wasn't good. And I think my expectations weren't that high from last year. And I'm a very realistic Browns fan, but this year is going to be the t- determiner of like, okay, was this trade really worth it? And I mean, if it if it wasn't, and he just kind of plays at this level again, then yeah, we're definitely talking about like this is probably historically one of the worst trades you have ever seen, and Andrew Barry is probably gone at that point. That's my that's my opinion on it. I'm I you know that yeah. That's a realistic Browns outlook because I try not to be biased in any way. I am when you said that you know maybe you guys think that you're going to get 12 wins. Jake and I both looked at each other. We just shook our heads like no way. No, I, no I think, way. I think that ceiling's there for the team. Yeah. Again, oh no, no doubt about it. If Deshaun plays at his absolute top level and they win 12 games, I think yeah, that's where you're at. But I think fringe playoff team is absolutely realistic. Especially in the division, too, because, I mean, like, when you think about it, like, it's funny because baseball, we are in, like, the worst division, but then in football, we're in the best division. It just, it's it no correlation whatsoever. Polar opposites. But uh, John Vicari dedicating way more time than he has to to us right now. But, John, we got two quick segments, and then we'll get you on your way. First one, absolute rapid-fire answers. I'm going to ask you basically your favorites, and you're going to throw to me the fastest, quickest thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Here we go. All right. You're a play-by-play broadcaster. Favorite personal call? Ooh, man, that's tough. Uh, Rapid-wise, I'm going to go back to college when we won, when Ithaca College won the Women's Basketball Liberty Liberty League. I got to call a buzzer beater to win it. Uh, Grace Cannon hit the shot, and I liked my call with it, and it was a lot of fun. It was a great moment to be on campus, and unfortunately, during my tenure, I didn't have the football team will you know make the postseason like they did uh last season at the d3 ranks uh and no other sport was really uh, championship quality except for women's basketball and i got to call it i think that was my senior year so i'll give that one um you know my professional career i I think i've had good calls uh you know lake county obviously getting to the midwest league playoffs was really cool um but yeah i think i go with uh my college days and grace cannon Great answer. We always love kicking it back to college, right where me and Dylan are still at. So, uh, move on. Favorite food? Ooh, uh, well, I always answer pudding, and then people like a real food, oh, not like wow. snack, but I'm a pudding cup guy. I like pudding. Uh, true story. I ate nine pudding cups as an 11 year old during the Super Bowl 46 between the Giants and the Patriots because I was so stressed out. Uh, so much so that I had to obviously, you know, go to the bathroom. And I didn't watch the Mario Manningham catch live. No. Story. I did not watch that catch live. I saw it on the replay because my dad and my grandpa obviously like yelled or made a noise. And then I came out and I saw the grab. But I, I, I definitely I missed that catch live. Uh, I watched all of 07 of what I could remember. And I watched most every play in the 2011 Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, the Manningham catch I did not see live. 
Wow, that's that's crazy. I, I've known you for yeah. over a year now and been your friend. And I don't even think I've seen you eat a pudding cup once. No, well, it's it, it's it's something I don't. You know, it's it's every once in a while. It's it's not something that's always in the fridge. Uh, mainly because they'd be gone after a day. I'd have no self control. <laughs> they're, they're the best things ever, and they're, they're small, compact, um, and they taste great. John McCarty, big pudding guy. All right, favorite pudding movie. Guy. Oh man, these these CDs are tough because uh, just so many genres. Uh, you know, I don't know. That, that's a tough one. I, I've it, it was so sad recently, and this definitely, I, I guess, could be my answer. Um, the, we recently, with the loons here in Michigan, had a '80s night, and I decided to wear my Apollo Creed slash Rocky Balboa shorts, and a lot of people my age, younger, some older didn't know what that was from and it's a real shame that people haven't seen rocky i think it's one of those movies and i don't like to force my views on people too much i think it's one of those movies that you will the first one you will watch and you will like it regardless if you're a philadelphia sports fan or not regardless if you're really a sports movie person or not it's just a well-structured well-shot well-acted movie and it everyone thinks that like oh it's the you know, prototypical sports movie. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but the ending of Rocky is not the ending that I think most people think it is if they haven't seen the movie. Um, so it's, it's just such a, it's such a great movie. And the fact that, uh, again, I guess the circle of people that I'm around, uh, at this current moment, haven't seen it. That's sort of ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm not even going to lie to you. I just yeah. met you today. You know, you, you uh-huh. awesome. I, I love this interview. You brought so much insight to, <laughs> to it today. I have never seen or heard anyone go that in depth about, <laughs> about any type of movie, not even just that one, just any type of movie. And then the fact yeah. too, the, you wore the pants to the game. Oh, I've seen those live. Yep. I've seen those with my own yep. two eyes. Yeah. You've seen him wear it? Yeah. <laughs> what did what did you wear them for? Was it 80s night again last year? It was, was it Halloween. Do you break those out for Halloween it, too? It was uh no. Did I? I don't think so. I don't know what I was. I forget what I was for Halloween. I don't remember. I, I know I saw them. No, yeah, no. I it was it was definitely last year in Lake County because the the, the sports the the Captain's beat writers, the Guardians prospect writers got it right away. Justin Latta, Pat Ellington, they they knew what was up. Yeah, no. Uh, so. Yeah, if you wanted to learn more about John McCarty, this is the place to do it. All right. Uh, mm. Favorite TV show? Ooh, that's another one that's tough. Uh, all time, it's The Sopranos. Um, Great pick. And that's probably based on, you know, where I'm from, too. And I, I am an Italian-American. McCarty, yeah. But, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Uh, yeah, a, a lot. A lot of people think too, just on its basis, that that's like, all right, it's a mobster show. There's killings. It's action. It's it's a lot more than that. If you actually watch it from you know uh, all eighty episodes, it, it's a lot into the mind, psychoanalysis. Uh, uh, you know, not nihilism as well. It's it's very very good show. Granted, I am watching Breaking Bad right now, and I enjoy it a lot. I still have to finish it, so we'll see if Breaking Bad makes that jump, and then The Wire is after that. But uh, right now, it's The Sopranos. What what episode of Breaking Bad? Because that is ironic that you just said that, because that is my yeah. summer binge ep, uh, uh, yeah. TV show. So I, I'm not I'm not in um, 
I'm not in spoil. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. I'm in midway through season three. Okay. So, yeah, that that's where I am right now. And I wish I could watch more than I than I can, but I got so much time. So right now, I'm I'm about midway through season four as well, too. So yeah, it, it's definitely an interesting one to say the least. Uh, yeah, I, I and I and me, I know midway through what you cut out there. Midway through uh, season, oh, season four, four. yeah. Um, but for me, obviously, too, you may not see it since Feldovich does not give much of a Italian vibe, but it's my mother's side that is Italian. So, yes, I do love a good Soprano shout out there on that one. Yeah, never saw Sopranos, uh, only saw the first season of Breaking Bad. So. You are just a horrible human. Yeah, I, I do. I do want to watch Sopranos. It's just a long commitment, but uh Wow. Yeah. Someone has commitment issues. (laughs) The TV shows? I do. Uh, We'll move on, though. Favorite sport, John Vicari? Uh, To call or to play or to watch? Dude, you got to be more specific, Jake. Come on. You got to pick one. I'm thinking of a fan here. I I think favorite sport, I think of the one that I have the most love for, which is more of a fan. So we'll go with that. Okay. All right. For me, that's hockey. Um, You know, the New York Rangers are my team. And, uh, yeah, watching postseason hockey is 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 the most fun for me. Didn't get postseason hockey, but John and Vicari and I have attended a uh, Rangers game down in Columbus against the Blue Jackets, where the Rangers yeah, that, that, uh, that, kicked their ass. Yep, that was probably the worst team. That was probably the worst game from an NHL team I've ever seen in my life. The Blue oh, I agree. Were awful. Oh, yeah. They that was it was it was very bad, very very bad. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, final one of this quick answer segment. We'll go favorite podcast. Oh, man. Uh, well, I should say you guys because that's the podcast I'm on. Um, and I'm going to have to add it to my uh, repertoire there. Uh, but I like because I'm a media nerd. I listen to uh, the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast with Jimmy Traina, uh, the Sports Media Podcast by Richard Deitch of The Athletic. And uh, it's pretty much it. Yeah, I've, I've fallen out of favor with a couple of others. Um so those those two probably are the consistent ones that I gave a listen to. Yeah, you could have just left it at us. Could have just done that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just edit it out to yeah, say we'll just, that. We'll just make part. it sound like it's okay. Yeah, it. Yeah. It was, it's, yeah. it's the mistake by the take podcast. There it is. Oh, there it is. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for the sound yeah. clip. Woo. Thanks for the sound clip. So <laughs> the last last thing before we let you go. Um Every Wednesday episode, or at least we try to on every Wednesday episode, we do a thing called this or that, where it's basically you get two different things i mean it's usually specific to whatever the show is entailed to that day but you get two things and you pick obviously this or that so we got three that kind of go along with what we went with today so the first one what's more electric and i'm going to be more specific on jake's end because he was not specific in his question so i'll be more specific what's more electric to call a walk-off home run or a buzzer beater Ooh, that's great. Uh, you know, maybe the walk-off, just because a buzzer beater, you sort of already in that mode because the time's counting down and, and everything like that, where a walk-off sort of shocks you in a way because a walk-off can come in many different ways. Uh, like, if it's a walk-off homer with no runners on, it just pops up out of nowhere. It's still like a close game and you're ready for the moment, but you don't know. And then other times, the runner's on, a, a second runner, uh, and then there's a play at the plate that determines the game. So there's so, so many forms of a walk-off. So that means that makes it a little more electric at times. Though, you know, a walk-off walk is 
pretty anticlimactic where I don't think there's ever been a buzzer beater that's been as anticlimactic as like a walk-off walk or a walk-off hit by pitch. But I'm still going to go walk-off over buzzer beater. I, I kind of agree with you on that one because I feel like my logic behind it was like a buzzer beater just like happens like that and like everything, it, the game's over and kind of thing. But like with the walk-off, especially like if you think about like a home run, like it still takes time to run around the bases. The feeling lasts a little bit more, and I feel like you could get a more out of what you're saying then at that point, too. So I completely agree with you on that one. Nothing beats a celebration of a walk-off homer. I mean, it's electric. No, 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 no. A walk-off balk. Oh. <laughs> oh. I did it just because I knew that would piss you no, off there. No, okay, it's so, horrible. So, So the next one, then. This is just strictly their stuff, not just like, you know, where they're ranked or like what you like a preconceived notion or anything like that, but strictly off of their stuff that they bring to the table, Tanner Bybee or Gavin Williams. Bybee. Wow. I yep. love it. I love it. Interesting. Interesting. Bybee gets a call first. No, uh, no further explanation. No All needed. Right. All right. Last one. So this one. I guess I technically don't know the meaning since uh, if anyone knows, it's this yeah. is Jake's. Yeah. John currently working for Great Lakes Loons, high affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Previously lived right mm-hmm. in the Cleveland area. John, I got to ask you, and you're a New York guy, so there's going to be some sway here and possibly. And, you know, keep in mind what podcast you're on, but Cleveland or Los <laughs> Angeles? Is that a threat? <laughs> no, of course not. Well, Cleveland or Los Angeles, I never lived in, I've never been to LA. Yeah, but what am I going to ask you? Cleveland or Midland? Like, Midland's not Cleveland. Wow. No, I'm just saying. You sure like, about that? Oh, I mean, if you take Midland over <laughs> Cleveland, like the actual city of Cleveland, you want to take it over East Lake, Ohio, sure. I mean, take it away. But <laughs> I'm not giving it to you over Cleveland. That's a major city. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, listen, I've never maybe, been to maybe, maybe I'll uh Maybe I'll, I'll clarify. If you want to go sports affiliations, which one you like better, Cleveland or L.A.? Ooh, I see what you're doing here, there, buddy boy. Uh-huh. A big game change. Listen, I, I've I loved my time at both, but I'm currently in the Los Angeles system, so I'm going with LA. Oh, that seems Ooh. like you were just. That's a, in my words, I like to say that is a podium answer right there. Where there you go. Basically, yes, you are just saying that because you have to, but in reality. Digging deep, we know that you still got the Cleveland. You, you, come on, yeah. you know it's all right though. We'll let you go with that one. Uh, Los Angeles, is it on the board? <laughs> we don't have that. No, nah. that was not as one of our answers. Yeah. Sorry, incorrect. <laughs> all right, but uh, that that wraps up. <laughs> nice job, Steve Harvey. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, that that wraps up everything we have. Uh, John, of course, thank you for giving us your time. Way more than we. Uh, initially asked for and you know you're always willing and a great friend of ours so we appreciate it yeah thank you so much yeah. dude yeah no problem it, it was fun anytime you guys need a guest let me know you'll definitely be a uh, top of the call list we'll definitely have you on here i'm sure we'll uh we'll get you back on but before we send you off we'll let you plug yourself where can people hear more of you see more of you find you on social media all that good stuff well, I don't know why you would, but if you've lasted this long through this podcast, then I guess uh, I'm 
that I can promote what I got. Uh, so I'm at Vicari John on Twitter. So it's my last name, first name, V-I-C-A-R-I-J-O-H-N. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, you can catch me right now on ESPN 100.9 FM in Michigan and on MILB TV for any Great Lakes Loons home games. Uh, they're the high A affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And yeah, so that's that's pretty much. But, you know, I, I tweet about some stuff. I, I still it's it's fun with my Twitter. I, I've been in, you know, even though I'm only 22, I've worked in uh, uh, now, obviously, you know, the state of Michigan. I've worked in Wisconsin. I'm from New York. Uh, but I've also, again, worked in Ohio. So I have I have opinions on a lot of different sports organizations, a lot of different, uh, you know, uh, teams and stuff. One day I might be given a take on Michigan sports, another day on, on the Cleveland sports scene and stuff like that. So I, I you know, I, I think I'm an entertaining follow, uh, but it's a lot of self-promotion, mostly just me on the call of stuff. But uh, yeah. You know, and I was definitely say uh, follow a mistake by the take there. That's what I'm about to do once we sign off here. Oh, what a good plug. What a good plug. Great guest. Couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, yeah, it's been John Vicari. John, one last time. We'll have you back on, but thank you for joining us today. Yeah, de- I mean, definitely when the Yankees Guardians American League Divisional Series happens, we need a preview. I'll come on for that. Yeah, we'll get you on and let you know that the Yankees would be a three game sweep. We'll get you there. Oh, it was fun, guys. Thanks. Yep. Thank you, John. A great interview by John Vicari. Couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, great insight coming from the kid. That's, like I said, one of my favorite people on the planet. Yeah. And I mean, no doubt about it because he, there was a definitely a couple times where we both looked at each other and we're like, man, like, I didn't even really think of it like that. And I also like the, since I am a intern with the Akron Upper Ducks as well, I, uh, I like making, a, you know, hearing some names from there and stuff. Little Brian Lavastida, uh, currently with the Rubber Ducks as well too. So that was kind of funny hearing his name during that. But yeah, no, I mean, John Vicari did a great job. Um, always, a, he's definitely going to be a guy that's probably going to be on here sooner, sooner or later again. Yeah, he'll, he'll be towards the top of our call list, and he could, of course, pull so many more names out of the hat for you, too. P.D. Halpin, Jonathan Rodriguez, I mean, all guys that are rubber ducks that he got to call in Lake County. So. Yeah. But that pretty much uh, that wraps it up for our episode. So uh, John McCarty was gracious enough to basically hand us a whole episode's worth of content. I mean, he was like, you know, I'm free today. If you want me, you got me. And that was great. Probably won't be that long every time with him, but always good to have him on for a while. Yep. But, uh... As I said, that pretty much wraps it up. Make sure to hit the follow button on that podcast. Vakari let you know. We'll let you know again. Hit the follow button. Hit the bell so you know every time we post. At Mistake by the Take on Instagram at MBTT Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Volnick2 on Twitter at Jake Volnick on Instagram. And Dylan? D-Y felt. Simple as that. Yeah, Dylan keeps it nice and simple. but uh, Keep it simple, stupid kiss method. Yeah, you're not wrong. That pretty much wraps it up, guys. So uh, just got to say, everyone, have a beautiful rest of your Wednesday. Deuces. See ya.